The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Hi, I'm Matt Lieb. And I'm Vince Mancini. And this is Pod Pod Yourself yourself a a Gun, a Sopranos podcast where Vince Mancini and I go through every single episode of The Sopranos and And talk talk about about it. it. Thank you so much for um, listening to our show. We love all of you. And uh, up top, we have to announce some really sad, fucked up news San Francisco Sketchfest um, has been canceled due to uh, om- Omicron, the COVID-19 virus. Uh, they um, they pushed out. Um, they fell prey to the pandemic of George Soros. Um, you know, they started listening to Anthony Fauci and decided that COVID was real, which is like, that's some bullshit. <laughs> and, uh, and it sucks. Um very very sorry for everyone who bought tickets i know there were like a couple people who actually like uh bought plane tickets to go fly to go see the show and that really sucks so we're really we're sorry about that aren't we vince oh so sorry sometimes i feel like you space out during this point you know in the show and i just want you to i just want you to be with me when i'm oh, i'm i'm with you i don't know what a- to say you know like it's just i'm <laughs> sick of all the misinformation about the virus uh floating around out there and existing and existing we're we're gonna pivot now to being uh an anti-vax (laughs) anti-covid podcast just kidding um no it's it it is a good thing i mean this is uh it is terrassing through every community so um it is it's nice to keep people safe out there uh and in order to make up for it we are going to be doing a pot yourself a gun live stream in february the date will be announced soon um and so that means everyone from all you don't even have to fly you can just sit at home and watch Mm. um and then of course before we go on i i have another announcement vince and i'm very sorry about this because i Uh know you know of too many announcements up top make yeah. you crazy stop giving me all the bad news okay but this is actually some good news okay we, i'm ready last last month 
a we had our first ever two hundred dollar Patreon donor. Mm. Two hundred. His name is Ryan. That's not just a patron. That's a patron. That is a straight. Up, <laughs> that's a father figure. I mean, <laughs> this guy. I, I mean, Iceman in the sense of bigger Spanish own. That means bigger. He's big. is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. Big donor. Does Patron not mean dad as well? Or is that Padre? I think it means boss. I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> Here's the point. Or the like, point is that, like, first of big all, boss. yeah, because we, we we also had you know those two hundred dollar don- donors, uh, Erica Nord and Kenley um, Bidwell, who both uh, have very very big uh, sex organs or you know whatever you know they're hot and stuff. I I have to. I have to always do that, but like Ryan, you got the you got the biggest dick I've ever seen. I don't even know what to say about a two hundred dollar donor. That's insane. I mean, what are, like you are? He's God. a handsome genius, and all mm-hmm. of his friends uh, should be so lucky. You know that he's even around. Absolutely. Apparently, yeah. should um, celebrate you every single day. Uh, yeah, we're we're gonna celebrate you for the rest of our lives. Uh, apparently, Ryan like listened to our podcast, very much enjoyed a TV rewatch podcast, and tried to listen to another TV rewatch podcast, and hated Classic it. S- hated it so much that he gave us two hundred dollars. So, Ryan, we fucking love you. And I, if I ever have a daughter, um, I'll introduce you. <laughs> oh, that sounded weird. Now I've said that. I'm too, you know, Look, I don't think I'll Typical do. American media profiting on uh, making people hate other people. But as long as it's only other TV podcasts that you hate, we'll take that money. We'll take yeah. that hate, that uh, dirty hate money. Well, thank you for your hate money. And I consider it love money. So you're wonderful, mm. Ryan. Um, if I ever meet you, you get one sexual favor. Okay. Moving on, five stars interview, please. Okay, today we are going to be talking about from season six of The Sopranos, episode eight, Johnny Cakes. And our guest today, you know her, you love her, you've read her wonderful, wonderful book, Down City. She is also the host and writer and researcher of the podcast, Hemingway's Picasso. Everyone, give it up loud for Leah Carroll. (laughs) <laughs> hey how you doing leah i'm good thank you guys for having me yeah thanks for thanks for coming on the show i i'm very excited to to have you on to talk about the greatest television show of all time the sopranos the beginning of prestige tv as we know it that's right that's right it was the first one and nothing has surpassed it since. Yeah, I asked if you wanted to be on, and you brought up the episode with the aging uh, mobsters in uh, Rhode Island. And I was like, well, you're qualified. Being able to remember that <laughs> means that you're qualified to be a guest on this podcast. Yeah, Vince, Vince DM'd me asking if I wanted to be on um, because Vince declined to cover my podcast. <laughs> wow. And yeah. we're doing it now on uh, our podcast. This That's is much. Birds, this is... Stone. Is yeah. this goes yeah i decided to wait till we were recording to really get yeah. down to the nitty-gritty yeah. no but i think i dm'd you back within like 10 seconds and i was like yes obviously the one where they go to rhode island and the mobsters are like using an oxygen tank in a shitty old like three-family house yeah and vince you were like well we did that do you want to do another 
I mean, we got we got closer to uh, you know, it's not Rhode Island, it's New Hampshire. This yeah. episode, this is New Hampshire, but a Johnny cake is a Rhode Island specialty. I did That's not just know what that. they told you. They probably just told you that, and you didn't know that it actually came from New Hampshire this whole time. <laughs> New Hampshire and Rhode Island are basically the same state. I feel like they they are incredibly similar. And yeah. I mean, you know, this episode doesn't have the Atwell Avenue boys, but it does have, um, you know, it, it has a bunch of uh, gay volunteer firemen who are mm-hmm. living in peace and harmony together. So that's <laughs> that's even nicer, I think. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, the birth of uh, the birth of Anthony Jr.'s event planning business, which is one of my absolute favorite storylines of all That's time. Right. Sorry if I'm jumping the gun. No, no, but so no, you no. so you grew up in Rhode Island, correct? That's right. Yeah, and then you wrote your book about uh, your mother uh, and her murder around the. I forget how old you were at the time, but uh, I was four. She was thirty. Uh, she uh, she was murdered by kind of loosely affiliated uh, members of the patriarchal crime family. And for those who don't know, uh, the patriarchal crime family was uh, the the Joe Patriar- Patriarca. Mm-hmm. Speaking of fathers, mm-hmm. um, that means just Patron in Italian. Probably. Yeah, right, right. That's Patron, right? <laughs> it, it literally means Patron in Spanish. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, uh, Uncle Joe, as everybody called him, was a fixture on Atwell's Ave, and he was the head of the head of the family from the Depression until he died. And he ran his business out of the Coinomatic, and he would just sit on Atwell's Ave and 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 rule everything. And the patriarchal crime family actually owned uh, like all of Southern New England and Connecticut, basically up and upstate New York. Damn. Um, basically, like they did a cutout for New Jersey and New York were the five families. And they actually also own Boston. And people always talk about Whitey Bulger, but Whitey Bulger reported up to Patriarca oh, when shit. he wasn't, you know, ratting out to the FBI. But jo- one thing Joe did was he was never flashy and the people of Rhode Island loved him they still, some of them still say to this day that he was like better than any of the politicians. All the politicians were, were, were also paying up to him, but he, uh, wow. Little known crime family worth knowing. Yeah. I mean, and also with a name like patriarch, it's kind of perfect. Like what? Yeah. A little on the nose, a little too on the nose, almost a little too on this. Well, and it's, you know, it's a, it's, it's a, um, Interesting. It's it's very Sopranos esque because basically what happens is, is when Patriarch dies when he's like ninety, his idiot son Raymond Patriarch Jr. takes over and yes. and immediately you know this is Rico starts and stuff, but mm-hmm. he was just an he was an idiot. Yeah, and I, uh, <laughs> little Carmine basically. Yeah, right. Ex- literally, yeah, yeah. And uh, so and it it just tumbles, uh, falls apart. But um, my best friend's dad was this guy Nicky Bianco. Uh, who is, uh, he was, he was a member of the Gotti family originally, and he came on. And uh, so we, I have a unique relationship with it because I used to, you know, stay at, stay at Nikki's house. And he's the first man who ever introduced me to arugula. Uh, He had the, uh, he had the monitor on his, on his ankle because he was, uh, he was uh, on a Rico trial actually when we were like 10 or 11. So he was under house arrest. He was under house arrest. Yeah. Nice. Um, and we would walk around Federal Hill, me and Alex, and they, you know, everybody, 
Alexandra, let me give you some fruit for your father. I remember we were like 10 years old and we walked into like, you know, a diner for breakfast, which I had never eaten at any place by myself without adults. And they were right. like, oh, Miss Alexandra. And we had breakfast and then we just left. And I was like, Alex, we don't pay. She's like, no. And she, you know, I'm very innocent. Very wow. Sweet. Um, just straight up Rhode Island royalty is what it sounds like. Yeah. Except for that, the, the idea that Joe was, uh, patriarch, you know, that he was patriarchal is total bullshit. And, and he, uh, the enforcers were just scumbags and right, 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 right. everybody, it, the, that's why I love that, that I'm going to stop talking after this, but that's why <laughs> I, you can edit this. No, I no, love, no. That's why I have a special place in my heart for that Sopranos episode, because these guys were, these guys were like, not, these guys were just mean fucking killers right and um there was that podcast crime town that totally glorified it and uh they were they didn't make a lot of money they were you know they were uneducated they were racist they were it's also like in the departed when he's like i didn't know they still had the mafia in 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 providence yeah right. um and a wonderful goodreads reviewer left me a review just yesterday that said, I love this book. This is why I hate mob movies. And I yeah. was like, damn, you got it. And on Goodreads, nonetheless. And I, you know, love The Sopranos because it subverts all of that. Totally. And that, that was going to be my next question was that like, then your relationship to The Sopranos. Sorry, sorry, I'm saying Joe Patriarca this whole time. It's Raymond Patriarca. Okay. Raymond Patriarca. Can should I say Raymond? Can you loop Raymond a few times? Yeah, go ahead. Just say Raymond a bunch. <laughs> Raymond. 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 I'll I'll cut it in there and it'll 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 be natural and everyone. <laughs> um but yeah, so for you, I, I I kind of I have similar feelings actually about a lot of mob movies. Um, like I, I like Goodfellas. I know I've gotten in trouble on this podcast for saying this, but like as much as I, I like Goodfellas, I've never really understood people acting like it's um, in any way um, a, a anything that transcends the genre of mob movie, like, you know, like in the way The Godfather well, does. for the time. I, I don't know. What do you mean? You think Godfather transcends it and Goodfellas doesn't? Yes, Godfather is like the original glorification of the mafia. I don't I don't see it at that much as a glorification. I see it more as kind of like it's more similar to uh the Sopranos in terms of like you're watching um the kind of the downfall of the mafia a little bit. You're watching um how evil that you have to be in the order whole movie to movie of what Goodfellas was. What are you talking about? It was we'll have to argue I, about this later. We'll argue about it later. Uh, I, I I agree. I agree with that. That that in some aspects of Goodfellas, it is about how it's bad, but also it does feel a little bit to me kind of like I don't know, like a like a upper echelon mob movie, but not transcendent. I think the problem is, and I I kept saying this in my other podcast. There's like the totally a a a kind of, and it's always a man, a kind of man who thinks these movies are aspirational and they're actually just tragedies. Yes. Yes. Uh, and they're just like complete tra like tragedy in the most like cla like Shakespearean Greek, like they follow the, the tragic arc to a T. True. And <clears throat> I think that's one of the things I love about the Sopranos is, um, and we've talked about this before on this podcast, which is that there are, 
two kinds of fans of the Sopranos. There's the ones who uh, understand that uh, it is, uh, you know, not a show that glorifies these things, but kind of like shows the, I don't know, the decay of the mafia and also the the decay of morality, um, you know. Uh, it, when you choose to be in the mafia um, and you know it's there's the people who watch it and they're like oh yeah the mafia is bad and this is a tragedy and then there's the people who watch it who are these I am a guy who has a Scarface poster in my room like probably a Boondock Saints poster also oh definitely oh, yeah, which is a... like if you have a Boondock Saints poster in your room uh, at this point um, I think you need to you need to grow the fuck up and rewatch that movie because <laughs> yeah, I probably have is... an ankle monitor <laughs> and you're not allowed to leave the state of Massachusetts for legal reasons. Yeah, but um, but this is not a show about um, what were we just talking about? Uh, about Goodfellas? No, that's right. No, this is a podcast about The Sopranos, and we of course cannot start the podcast without first playing the theme song. Pod. 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 Podcast. Pod. 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 All right, ladies and gentlemen and everyone else, today we are going to be talking about from season 6A of The Sopranos, episode 8, Johnny Cakes, which uh, premiered April 30th, 2006. Vince, break us off a little piece of that synopsis. Is it? Oh, there it is. All right, I got it. I'll be right back. Oh, yeah, go ahead. We'll wait. wait. (laughs) Ha, Jinx. Jinx, you owe me a dick chuck. Oh, <laughs> wow. Jinx, double, double jinx. jinx. Now oh, you gotta eat no. my asshole. Oh, you... oh. <laughs> Hell yeah, double jinx. <laughs> well, I'm oh. impressed that you managed to spell on this Google Doc, you managed to spell Hemingway and Picasso wrong, which is, you know. I'm trash, dude. <laughs> People have known this. You think I'm not trash? Okay. Uh, Vito considers starting a new life in New Hampshire while Anthony Jr. looking for a purpose and finds it when he continues his pursuit of revenge against Jr. Oh, I feel like right. they missed a word there, but, uh, you know. It, it's IMDb. They're, yeah. uh, I don't know if they get paid to do this. Um, but, um, Vince, uh, can you tell us what was happening at the time that this episode came out? Yeah, that's right, Matt. I think what you're trying to say is that uh, mm. we cannot evaluate art uh, divorced from its cultural context. Absolutely. And uh, we have to put that back in. And for that, we go to the Remember When machine. Walk, walk, daddy, daddy, mama, shoo-bop. Remember then, 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 then. Remember when. Remember when is the lowest form of conversation. That's right. Uh, we're going all the way back to April 30th, 2006. Some important things were happening in the world. Uh, Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes, a.k.a. Tomcat, uh, mm. had just set a wedding date. Oh, so, that's I beautiful. Tomcat? When did that? I don't, that is not. That never caught on. Yeah, they tried to make it. Oh, cat. Mike, yeah. it was huge. She got, she got like a... Uh, 
brainwashed by a Scientologist. But I mean, the the name like it's not like Benefer. Oh, yeah, no, it was it was because Benefer was. But Tomcat was like the what everybody was calling it. Really? I miss that. I I, rem- I just remember most of the reaction being like, this is fake. Yeah, well, like, yeah. well, because he auditioned a bunch of other girls. He wanted right. Scarlett Johansson and a couple of other people. Anyway. Oh man! And then he did. Good, he like jumped on the couch on Oprah, and that was weird. Yeah, it was, that fun, was... It was funny that like that was when America collectively realized that Tom Cruise was weird. Yeah, but, like if you hadn't noticed that Tom Cruise was weird before that, like you were not paying very much attention at all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. To not understand that this is one of the weirdest people that Hollywood has ever produced is to never have watched an interview with him is you see one interview and you're, you're like, this guy shouldn't be this intense during yeah. this interview about the last samurai he clearly Why? thinks he is actually immortal. Yes. Yeah. 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 But um, uh, good for, for him, man. I feel like it was also America's collective awakening to just how weird Scientology was. Right. Totally. Yeah. Totally. We were all kind of being like, okay, this feels like it was put on by Scientology in order to convince us that he is straight. Like if you you couldn't <laughs> yeah. have done a better job of making it like, oh shit, is Tom Cruise actually gay? Because this is because uh, this, this is so feels weird, so weird. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and I mean, I don't think it's ever been confirmed, and I don't want to get sued or anything like that. But um, yeah, Tom Cruise, I don't think he likes it. Was it was women. weird? We'll say that. It was weird. Yeah. Um, other things uh, going on, you know, we had the whole Darfur was uh, going down. Oh, it was this popping was off. Yeah. Popping off pre-Clooney. Um, <laughs> yeah, pre-Clooney. We, we, had, we had the release of uh, United 93, uh, and there was this article uh, from the uh what article what, pa- what paper oh st louis post dispatch mm. united 93 are we ready yet <laughs> is five years too soon for americans to relive the events of september 11th 2001 we started the- reliving them literally a week <laughs> after <laughs> yeah, we have never stopped reliving no. it what are you talking about i'm sorry the Go question on. arises as united 93 the first major hollywood release about the terrorist attacks arrives in theaters nationwide uh and then they have like an infographic uh describing uh here's a look at other historic events and how long before major studio films depicting them arrived in theaters <laughs> doesn't Deep- say like the civil war it uh, took a few <laughs> a few decades d-day june 6 1944 the longest day 1962 uh john f kennedy's assassination november 22nd 1963 and then there was executive action in 1973 mm-hmm. and jfk in 1991 there's also the vietnam war Apollo 13, uh, Watergate, and... Wait, are they not counting... Um, are they not counting the All the President's Men as a movie about JFK? I right. guess not. It doesn't, doesn't did not show up here. Oh, no. That, that one's on there under Watergate, so... They're not counting the Zapruder film? Yeah, that's... Yeah, true. That's, that's the first movie they did about the JFK assassination. That's right. Um, and then, you know, I got to pick my one... Uh, just weird sort of slice of life article. That's not really something that you remember, but uh, it takes you back to uh, the days that this was going on. Um, Mm -hmm. This is from the post. Uh, TV offers magic dust for aging rockers images. What? Uh, Mick Jagger may be a sellout, but he's no dummy. 
By agreeing to star in a potential comedy series for ABC tentatively titled Let's Rob Mick Jagger, the Rolling Stones frontman has put himself squarely in the middle of one of TV's hottest programming trends. Musicians in fish-out-of-water scenarios. <laughs> Did this Just... ever happen? <laughs> it's so true. It's like you have a thousand of them nowadays. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, you can't get enough of them. Just Wait. ask Ozzy Osbourne or Flavor Flav about mm. the effect starring in a TV show can have on resurrecting careers. MTV's The Osbourne successfully transformed Ozzy's image from that of the Prince of Darkness uh, to a lovable, if speech-challenged father. Uh, VH1 turned Public Enemy's clock-wearing clown wow, into wow. a venerable franchise featuring Flav in a number of series, including The Surreal Life, Strange Love, and Flavor of Love. The finale of the latter series garnered the highest ratings in VH1 history last month, drawing just under 6 million viewers. Uh, so apparently uh, this actually turned into a show called The Knights of Prosperity. Did uh, this happen? This actually, An American there's... comedy series that premiered on ABC in 2007. Well, I didn't know it happened, so that's good. that's good, man. Well, that did, you know, I got to say, that really revived his career. Um, the series know. went through several name changes. The original title, though never publicly affirmed, was Let's Rob Jeff Goldblum, later changed to Let's <laughs> Rob they, Mick Jagger, once they... Goldblum committed to the NBC drama Reigns. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Let's Rob TK. Oh, TK, yeah. B-list celeb. Who are we going to rob? Fuck. They you just know keep what? asking. <laughs> Just to bring this full circle, I feel like this whole thing was inspired by the Sopranos episode where they rob Lauren Bacall because right? I can yeah. see someone seeing that and being like, oh my God, we should just have a series where they yeah. rob different celebrities. Imagine the idiot just sitting there going, that's a show. That's a fucking show. <laughs> yeah. Let's rob uh, uh, Wilmer Valderrama. Let's well, you rob. You know that'd be like on Tubi now or something. Oh yeah. oh yeah, 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 yeah. It would be streaming. It would be like Roku's number one streaming show. Have we ever have the so the the this the Quibi series about the different um guys? Because I had the Sparrow a Quibi House. Series. What? I I I am a talking head on a Quibi series. Good for you. That's you know. Which I, one? Now, what which one was it? It's called. <laughs> last looks and it was supposed to be like a re-examination of the way that like murdered women were covered in society but it was so but, but they wanted it to be just 10 minutes long we don't well, want these was, broads yeah. to talk too much <laughs> i'm sorry three 10 minute intervals. okay yes yes wait can i tell you guys one thing going back to 9-11 yeah. oh, please. I'm in brooklyn we always go back to um, our yep. landlords have a plaque mm -hmm. on our apartment that they clearly put up like in the throes of this whole thing. And it says 9-11, um, remember forever, which <laughs> as we know became never forget. Yeah. But so they like in the immediate aftermath were like 9-11, remember forever. <laughs> and I just, I can't forget it. I have wanted to ask him about it so many That's times. That's like if you're the guy who came up with uh, the name like, cat cat tom or cat cruise and then someone else <laughs> came out with tom cat and everybody adopted tom cat and like, oh, damn fuck. it yeah i was i initially pitched remember forever <laughs> and it's, like a, it's a marble <laughs> <laughs> that's great. oh that's great it's um, a it's almost there 
You yeah. had to workshop it a little before you call the marble guy. That's right. Well, that's, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Know. You measure twice, cut once. Everybody knows that. <laughs> Everyone knows that. Joey LaFrancesca was like, I'm not wasting time to figure out what this event motto is going to be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Calling my marble guy. <laughs> For the future reference, uh, you know, workshop twice, uh, etch yes. once. Exactly. Um, top movies. In- Ray Trunk <laughs> edits over. <laughs> That's exactly true. Uh, top movies uh, were RV, uh, mm. followed by United 93. Big, big, uh, big failure by united 93 they oh, yeah. had all they had all the you know they had all this hype and then they ended up getting beat by the movie where uh i think it was martin lawrence like travels the country looking at colleges with his daughter in an rv yeah um followed by stick it which was apparently a gymnastics movie uh great one with uh, yeah well somebody remembers it that's good oh i remember it it was um, a sort of bring it on um inspired movie but about gymnastics yeah 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 Followed by Silent Hill and Scary Movie Four. Um, top song, top pop song in the country was uh, "Bad Day" by Daniel Powder. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, the top rock song is still "Speak" by Godsmack. Jesus Christ! So "Speak" by Godsmack has been number one for I feel like every single episode so far this season. How long was "Speak" by Godsmack on the? Ch- I don't even think I know the song. I think it's mm-hmm. got a few more weeks before uh, Danny California is gonna. Oh, show up and fucking yeah. Yeah. we'll 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 reintroduce the world to Red Hot Chili Pepper songs about California. California. That's right. That's right. They really love it. Vince, don't spoil it. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah How yeah. are we supposed to know what's going to come next? I know. Exactly. You got to wait till the next episode of Pod Yourself a Gun to find out what the Who? next number one rock song will be. Exactly. So that was the Remember When Machine. Um and now, of course, it is time for the Bada B stories. And uh, can I just tell you um, that um, this song is for no one. This is uh, my favorite kind. I've I've said this before, like, oh, this is a, like, who is this for, or whatever. This song is truly for none of the listeners. Mm. There is, I, if you are out here listening to this podcast and. You are a fan of the new Taylor Swift albums. You'll love this, but uh, if you don't, if you don't know Taylor Smith, uh, Taylor Swift, and um, and Bonnie Vare teamed up to do a song called Exile. Well, we had a bit of a chat about this over email about trying to figure out what we disliked about Taylor Swift, and yeah. Uh, for me, it's always been that she looks like someone whose family owns horses, and that's why uh, I've never... That's fair. She does. Yeah. She, that's she it. looks like that's, a horse girl. That's it. That's all I got. Yeah, I felt really bad when you asked if I like Taylor Swift, and I was like, I don't, and I don't know why. And, and I, I feel... I understand that entirely. I understand not... And it's entirely her personality, because some of her songs are catchy. Well, that's the thing. Oh, yeah. I've always been like... <clears throat> I've been like someone who's heard some stuff on the radio and been like, it was my same thought about Katy Perry where I'm like, yeah, like, you know, some of the songs are, are poppy and good and whatever. I like it, but I'm, I'm not a fan. And then my girlfriend or fiance, no big deal. Um, she, um, she got tape pilled by her friend Tej who, uh, was like, is this dude that she knows from New York? Who's like, bro, you got to listen to Taylor Swift. And uh, and so she started listening to all these new Taylor Swift albums, and I'm not gonna lie, they're hella good. So this song, <laughs> this song is um, is about uh, 
the love between um you know uh, one girl jo- and her horses that her parents bought for her. No, her it's, parents oh, okay. bought for her. It's about <laughs> so she could be a country music star. Yeah, it's love between Johnny Cakes and Vito. Okay, good. <laughs> it's a ballad. <laughs> Are you gonna do the Bonavera voice? Yeah, yeah, but. It, you know, he starts out low. I can see you staring, honey, creeping on my fireman buddies, treating everyone in this town like a fool. I can feel you waking, Vito, like a fat dago, wop guido, hungry for much more than some gobble I think I've seen this show before And I didn't like the ending You're not in Jersey anymore So why are you defensive now? You're in my town Living in exile, hiding now I think I've seen this queen before Why do I do this, guy? Yeah, that's that. <laughs> Ridge. Crying. All right, well. I can see you. All right, that is, uh, that's Francesca singing Taylor Swift's parts. And we'll be, what? You actually oh. want to hear that? Yeah, give us a little. Is that your fiance? That's my fiance, yeah. I want to hear it. Uh, I want to hear it. Dreaming of a new King Johnny. Got me craving more than your Johnny Cakes. Yeah. You leaned in and tried to kiss me. I hit you and then you hit me. I pretended so long I don't know when it's safe. I think I've seen this show before. And I didn't like the ending. I'm scared of Philly Otardo. He's trying to kill me now He's in my town Both on the down low No way out I've never lived this free before So I'm stepping yeah. out the closet door Alright <laughs> I wondered if you were going to go there Yeah, well, you know Alright, well, you know It, it goes on I was good it, it, if you want to hear the whole song, you go to the very end of the podcast. You know we'll play the whole thing for you. My God, Fran- Francesca has a really good voice. I know. I-, I was I was very excited that she agreed to do it um, because uh, you know she's she actually this is the, I tried to do a girl voice and it's very hard to do a girl voice. It's like I just sound like I'm doing a high pitched. It just doesn't work. Falsetto. It, False. Yeah, I can do. You know, I'll do my falsetto, but it still sounds like a man. He's more um, of a chest voice guy than a head voice guy. He's always, uh, yeah. always has you know? been. He's more of a belter. You know, like Adele. I like to belt. You know, yeah. and I can. You know, I can do both. Um, I've got range. <laughs> Anyways, so that's a beautiful song. Um, about Johnny Cakes and Vito living together, finding love, dealing with their sexuality. Do you think? Do you think that Vito is dreaming? I don't think I, you know, I, I don't think so. It, it's a nice theory. I'd love to think that he was like actually living there and like never left. That's what I would love. But without spoilers, 
um, I have a feeling that it's all very real. Why do you think he's dreaming? I think he, I think he dreams the fireman. Yeah. I mean, oh. the fireman definitely feels like the, uh, someone that sprang from one of his like gay porn magazines. Like, Oh yeah, there's just, uh, there's this hot guy, diner cook, uh, who also rides motorcycles and moonlights as a heroic firefighter. Like, yeah. Sure. And who, and who notices Vito and is like, I want to have sex with that guy. That is a very, <laughs> yeah. that's a very good point. I've actually had uh, sort of similar feelings about this the whole time, and I haven't been sure whether or not. I've never thought it was a dream. I just thought, like, do the writers not know any gay people? Yeah, because that's kind of it's. it's that, I mean, it's that's or. true too. That, it's either yeah. or. It's like it's like it's, it's like some straight guys trying to imagine like a gay relationship, <laughs> yeah. or. Or like they were leaning into it on purpose and being like, yeah, this is maybe not real because it's very much, you know, it's like your jerk. I feel like if you asked David, David Chase today, Mm -hmm. um, I always get David Chase, David Mill, Milch and David Milch and David uh, Simon, Simon. The three, the, th- the three David Davids. Chase, yeah. <laughs> Trinity of I feel like if you asked David Chase today, he'd be like, oh, no, it was like a fantasy. But I actually think you're right. I do think it was like straight guys in a writer's room being like, this is how gay dumb. <laughs> yeah, <works."> this is <laughs> this is exactly yeah. what would happen if he ended up in a gay town in, in New Hampshire is he would meet. Uh, he would get adopted by a coven of gay firefighters. <laughs> yeah, immediately. Who would be who would and it would only be acceptable because they're all butch. Right. Yeah. Like, right. Like there's no way he could have met like a twink. No, 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 no. Exactly. It's it's all it's just yeah, it's a fantasy of butch uh gay dudes all living together in harmony. And uh yeah, it doesn't feel I mean he literally met a guy who's like half of the village people rolling rolled into one. Yeah, yeah. He's got like four of the village people's five jobs. The, the only yeah. thing he doesn't do is Indian stuff. Yeah. Uh, like... Maybe they was still probably acceptable at that time. Yeah, Maybe they're I... gonna get into Indian play in the next episode. <laughs> Well, stick around to find out. Um but yeah, this is uh this is an episode with I with three fantastic storylines um you've got this guy's a leather daddy he rides motorcycles he's a fireman he also is an indian and a policeman it's crazy like this guy is a fucking catch he's doing construction and he's directing traffic this guy i can't find a guy like this i know no one can we should all be so lucky we should all be so lucky to have one job let alone all of them yeah can you believe this guy's been living a lie his whole life, all he had to do was accept his gayness and he could be dating all of the village people uh, yeah. <laughs> in the form of one man. Yeah. Well, That's how it works, Vince. That yeah. is. All you have to do is uh, is I mean, run if away. I could take that Matrix pill that made me gay, I don't know. It sounds like... <laughs> well, we would all take it, Vince. Yeah. We all know. This is, you know, well-worn territory with this podcast, right? <laughs> that we would all take the pill that allowed us to be attracted to the same sex so that we could just know where it is not have to look for it in the boat you know what i'm saying <laughs> where is it like it's not even look like a boat where is it anyways um so this is uh this is a episode that has three great storylines Vito uh hiding out in new hampshire meeting the love of his life and johnny cakes um you've got uh tony and the old neighborhood learning that uh you know a jamba juice wants to move in and then you have uh, AJ 
It's um, it's three great stories, but it's also one story, which is yeah. the story of America in 2006, which yes. is that like we've become this sort of tragic parody of the things that we used to be. Like we're clearly in decline, but mm-hmm. we're still uh, like dining out on the old myths, like thinking that we actually are. Uh, the Godfather, uh, yeah. when really we're just like the sad club kid uh, spending too much on bottle service. Like that's mm-hmm. yeah, but this is what we were talking about. He literally is like, I was trying to be, I was trying to to be like Michael Corleone. I yes. was trying to re- avenge you. Yeah, he, he he thinks the guy. He agrees with you. He thinks the Godfather is a. He thinks is a is a is a, is a model for how to live ass- your life. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, this is AJ's episode of, um, you know, clubbing and thinking that it is his role to avenge uh, his father getting shot by Junior and I, uh, yeah. attempts I will say, to like, stab him. This is, uh, like, this is one of the episodes that, like, probably lived on most strongly in my memory. Uh, um, and I think, like, in my head, I thought it was because it was really funny to see Vito, uh, you know, live out his his porno life like the british guy in uh, love actually but like really when you watch this episode i think it's like probably the most tragic and it's also the one that really sort of sums up the mid-aughts malaise like i think this is like right when it first set in because like if you think like when 9-11 happened i think we're like pop culture we were sort of moving towards this idea of everybody um being like having a crisis of meaning like sort of in the at that time period and then 9-11 happened and was like oh shit we all got to come together like shit's real now like this Mm -hmm. is going to be our world war ii or it was going to be like this generation defining moment that finally gave us this meaning that we'd been lacking up until that point and to be fair it was a generation defining moment sure not in the way that we hoped at the time but then like yeah but then the war in iraq bogged down and all of the the sort of crisis of meaning just came roaring back and uh like that's very much the story of this episode like we, we we thought we had to get back to you know being like this idea of the America we thought we were or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we realized by this point we realized that that was like, Oh, we have to get back to uh, shitting out Starbucks's and right. Jamba juice. Like, this is funny that this took place before the financial crisis because uh, immediately before, right. yeah, like yeah. we, we knew it was all a sham right before, even before like we got the, uh, uh, you know, objective evidence that was it was all fake like we sort of had even before carmela built her not up to code spec house (laughs) yeah spec house but vince i feel like i feel like jamba juice is the perfect analogy for that Mm -hmm. because right like we like kind of took the idea of like you know juice Mm -hmm. and like smoothies being healthy except for like jamba juice was not at all and this yeah. was my this was the year I moved to New York and I drank so much Jamba juice. Mm-hmm. Like I'd be like, I drink a Jamba juice. I can like drink and smoke as much as I want now. Right. Because like, I got an energy boost. Juice. I got an so energy yeah. boost. So and I got, a I got some boost. spirulina mixed in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the boost. Uh, I honestly they were like, it's free. And I was like, oh, free medicine. <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> this is the only universal healthcare we need here. Is it was like, yeah, it was like the idea of like the health. It predates, you know, like cold pressed juice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, when we were still, I mean, 
Yeah. It's like, it's the origin story of that because it's still just full of sugar and makes you like yeah. really fat. And <clears throat> yeah, yeah, um, yeah, it's horrible. And for you. it's like, you know, the typography is like real ugly mm-hmm. and <laughs> like you could, you could remember you could get them. It would be like this. They were huge, yeah. like way bigger than like ounces would ever have allowed a soda juice, to be. Which is like, yeah, it's almost probably as much sugar as a soda. It's yeah. like going to a fucking farmer's market and eating an entire thing of strawberries and going like, I'm having a healthy day. Yeah. And they're like, oh, oh, the only thing I ever buy at the farmer's market is pie. Yeah, because <laughs> you're you're not fooling yourself yeah. because that's yeah. that's the best pie. Um, but yeah, it is funny because like this is uh, I think you summed it up pretty well, Vince, in terms of like where we were at in the aughts. It, it, you see Tony actually going through like his own crisis of meaning and like like we went into iraq and we said like we're gonna fucking go there and build a fucking mcdonald's mm-hmm. and you know we're good we're gonna give them starbucks and mcdonald's and jama juice and they're and that's gonna then make gonna, everything good like and they're yeah. gonna be so happy and yeah. then of course tony is like now you know it's three years after the war in iraq has started and he is just like he himself becomes someone who hates globalization and and hates being the cultural you know hegemon because he's just like he's he's looking at his old neighborhood as like uh and you you know is he's looking at it as like this is this we once had culture we once had um you know small business we once had fucking you know a guy who we used to make things in this we used to make things in this town exactly and he's realizing that like everything now looks the same and uh and yeah he has uh, this meeting with um uh juliana margulies who plays a character also named juliana mm-hmm. um and uh she has this thing where she can't actually remember her character's name so she always has to play someone named juliana <laughs> that way because like if you just said like hey lisa like she doesn't turn around like she just has like a mental block <laughs> yeah she's like my, my name's juliana i was like not in this <laughs> Uh, yeah, we've got Tony fucking trying to hold on to this old neighborhood and being approached by uh, well, his, Ju- his big Juliana Margulies. Yeah, sorry. His big takeaway from like getting shot was that he needs to like live for today and that right. everything's important. But the great greatest part about that is he doesn't know whether live for today means uh, I got to really uh, respect my marriage and love my wife or... Mm-hmm chase every piece of ass that hoves into my field of vision. Like he does not know which one is the correct version of living for today. Yeah. And I think it's the same thing with, um, uh, with the taking the money for the Jamba juice from Juliana Margulies or, uh, keep the neighborhood, um, the same and not, right. you know, evicting the guy who, uh, you know, who makes the eggs. Well, that's, yeah, th- I think that's such a, a good storyline because it's sort of, like the developer's dilemma in general. Cause like I live in Fresno, which is a place where if you don't like the downtown, you can just like develop an area like on the outskirts of town and it just moves every few years, which I think is probably most places that have suburban sprawl. Like that's what happens. So it's like you could in, in Tony's heart of hearts, like he thinks it's good to have this old school neighborhood with his, uh, egg man, Mm-hmm. Cuckoo and like the old lady who is racist uh <laughs> but like what but then when he has like a choice in front of him which is like you can either have a bunch of money or you can deal with all of these other pains in the asses uh for the rest of your life like he's gonna take the money just because 
like he can see the reward of that more easily, which is like, it's probably so much easier for most places to just build a big housing development on the outskirts of town rather than trying to be like the uh, property lord in a downtown area and try to figure out how to make that better because you're dealing right. with a million well, people. Well, that's the thing, right? This was like always because, you know, the opening scene was like him going to the end of the driveway to get his newspaper. This was always like he was like, oh, I'm Jersey. I'm about this like butcher shop. But mm-hmm. he lives in this McMansion in the age of McMansions, in the age of the uh, balloon mortgage mm-hmm. and, and gigantic he, ent- entryways for some reason. That was yeah, gigantic. And ent- yeah, the open open concept kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, all of these things are the American dream. My daughter just came. Oh, hi. <laughs> hi, baby. Speaking of the American dream, uh, but yeah, uh, I think one of my favorite. It's the the height of like shitty American. It's the height of like the the middle class punching down the lower class and aspiring to be rich, which is not a new thing, but. Right, right. Propping ourselves up on fake shit, like to. Jamba Juice and But it's yeah. also funny because the I feel like also the glorification of the old neighborhood is also in a way kind of fake shit because yeah. that's it's one of the things I love about this show is that he's torn between this idea of the past and what the actual past was. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing that I think exemplifies that better than the old lady he talks to <laughs> in this fantastic scene. I have a clip. Hey, Mrs. Conti, come How's the hip? Oh, I need your help. What? Those nigger fucking horse, they play that music so loud. Now that's not nice. Those are Puerto Ricans, Mrs. Gandhi. I asked them nice to turn it down. They tell me to go fuck myself. All right, I'll see what I can do. Ah, thanks. Hey, Alf Jr., tell him I said hello. Yeah. Oh, hello. <laughs> hope, this is, you know, one of the I hope few... the little girl didn't have any headphones on during that, <laughs> during yeah. that scene. No. Oh. <laughs> We can say hi for one second. Okay. Say and hi. Then we got it. <laughs> Hello, beautiful. This is Ruthie. Hi, Ruthie. Hi, Ruthie. Paisan. I know this is your sock on the mic. I know. It's very high <laughs> Um, Can yeah. you go with daddy and I'll be out in a little bit? No. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want a cookie? No, I'll chocolate. You want a chocolate? Yeah. Okay, go get a chocolate. That's. What, I'm so glad. Like my my son has just reached the age where he like thinks that I'm great and everything I do is hilarious. And I know <laughs> in like eight months he's gonna learn to defy me, and, uh, <laughs> and then it's gonna be it's gonna be downhill from there. But I think like the the one one of the few things that I thought mm-hmm. uh, the Many Saints of Newark movie did well was mm-hmm. to sort of um, call back to AJ and show that Tony was also raised in that sort of same way. Like he puts yes. on an air of this guy from the old neighborhood, but they're both two guys that were like raised with all of the baggage of coming from a mob family with like right. very little of the upside. And, but, and the baggage of also the time period and uh, the culture, because it's also, right. uh, you know, yeah. the, you see in many scenes of Newark, everyone's just racist the whole time, which is like, I thought uh, one of the, good things about the movie was that they showed like uh 
you know, they didn't they didn't pull their punches with the fact that these guys were mostly a group of racists, but also criminals, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, well, I, you know, and my friend Alex, whose father was Nikki Bianco, like, first of all, this is the thing, right? You have the ma- the mafia in the era of Rico. So it's mm-hmm. all in decline. Alex's father, who like rose to the he was the the underboss to Patriarca, mm-hmm. died of Lou Gehrig's disease in a, the federal prison hospital in Oof. St. Louis when we were 11. Yeah. So like that, you know, that's it. That's like the story of the mafia in America. And I think that we, she's okay. She's okay. Yeah. As long as that, that's like, this is the, the reason why we hate mob movies. And then she, you know, she never had a, she never had a dad and the kids in school used to make fun of her. They'd be like, what is your dad do for a living? Yeah. 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 And I think, you really yeah. see, like, you think AJ is a piece of shit, which, like, very much he is. But mm. also, uh, you see that he's kind of trapped. Like, he doesn't have anything. Um, and it's also, like, when his parents, his parents are basically pissed at him because, like, we always want to, we always want to imagine uh, that people are in poverty are just uh, like walking around sad all the time, right. and uh, you want them to be like downtrodden and like you know, working really pluckily uh, mm-hmm. to achieve success. And if, and if they're not like, th- then they're pieces of shit. Then it's their fault that they're poor. Yeah. Right. And so it's like AJ, he's a dumbass. Like he doesn't really have any good options here. He can either like work for the mob, uh, mm-hmm. work at blockbuster, but more, <laughs> uh, <laughs> like more attentively, I guess. Yeah. And he's just trying to get his fun when he can, uh, by yeah. being a piece of shit. Yeah, I mean, AJ's storyline in this in this show or in this particular episode is great because you do see him like in the three the three different options that he has in life, you know, and uh, and you see him being the blockbuster kid. You see him being <laughs> just the that fuck- scene with the knife the knife fighting <laughs> it's, thing it's, is so good. Honestly, he's such like an icon for that age group because I believe we're the same age, and I swear to God, I was doing the exact same well, thing. It, or you remember the scene in Under Siege Two, where Steven mm-hmm. Seagal comes in and he and he confronts Tommy Lee Jones, mm-hmm. uh, who was actually it, who was they in were the, watching hunted. the Hunted. They were watching yeah. the Hunted, which also had Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, but I believe Under Siege Two was the first movie that popularized the knife fighting, where like the blade is like downwards. Yeah, yeah, your, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and you're like, wait, do people actually stabbing? <laughs> do people actually do this? This like knife kata that we didn't know about? Yeah, yeah. and I I have a clip of just the scene where they are uh, at the blockbuster watching the fucking uh, watching the hunted and discussing knife moves. When you hold your knife with your blade facing your opponent, you got a lot better control. Plus, you protect the form. Nah, nah. If you got the tip pointing at him, you get more distance. You could swipe his abdomen and fucking gut him. See, that's stupid. I mean, look how your range of motion is limited. It's so easy for him to step back, grab your fucking arm, take your knife away. Could someone please check us out? <laughs> it's just one of those days! <laughs> Working on my knife moves. No, but uh, <laughs> I feel like this is another example because now like we've killed off Blockbuster, like the streaming era. Mm-hmm. And so like there's this weird misplaced nostalgia uh, for Blockbuster. Sure. Even though Blockbuster at the time was like the Death Star that like mispl- that that just displaced all these actual uh, local video stores right. and replaced it with this you know Starbucks model mm-hmm. where it's controlled by a corporate suite 
a thousand miles away and then just minimum and would wage have like the hits. one action movie remember they would have the wall yeah. that was like the yeah. one it was just like 100 copies yes yeah. for some reason they had to display it physically yeah yeah, yeah. if yeah. we don't have a copy of the matrix you can kill our children that's our guarantee <laughs> to you. yeah i mean it, it is funny because i think you're absolutely right it, it was definitely um just at that point point blockbuster was just another starbucks it was just another krispy kreme like but we look at it now and we're like oh man that's so antiquated him working at a blockbuster but he might as well have been working at a starbucks um but uh yeah in fact this episode has i think one of the one of like the most iconic scenes uh in the sopranos series uh in which Patsy Parisi and uh, another goon go to what is essentially supposed to be a Starbucks and try to uh, squeeze the business. And um, I, I have a clip of that. Your weekly dues to us will give you all the supplemental safety net you'll ever need. I can't authorize anything like that. It'd have to go through corporate in Seattle. How do you think corporate would feel if, for the sake of argument, Someone threw a brick through your window. They've got like 10,000 stores in North America. I don't think they fill anything. What if, God forbid, it wasn't just vandalism? What if an employee, even the manager, say, was assaulted? Look, every last fucking coffee bean is in the computer and has to be accounted for. The numbers don't add up. I'll be gone and somebody else will be here. over for the little guy just just an incredible he has, has he already stolen the espresso machine oh yeah that was uh that was paulie did that i think a couple did, did, couple wait actually ago. i don't know when that happens i don't i don't remember either yeah there's but a lot also, of coffee like, related bits in the sopranos yeah. yeah what a fucking comment on capitalism yes that like brings so true today that people absolutely missed when it like oh, first aired. Like, that was played just for comic effect and it is written to just like li- i think this was during the is this during the like um the the protest the um oh the the, the anti uh globalization the, like, protests yeah like the world bank g7 protests. is that no what was yeah. that? Oh, that's that's earlier i guess yeah but it's like i can remember you know like seeing pictures of like armed guards yeah. literally standing in front of like a Starbucks with busted out windows. And right. it's like, is this what we, is this what we care about? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's definitely a statement on, and, and it's not the first, um, I mean, they're playing it for laps cause laughs. Cause they're like nostalgic at the idea of being able to prey on, uh, the local business owner. Right. But, yeah. But it is actually like now you watch it and you're like, yeah, that is actually sad. Like we, sh- it would it's be legitimately better. sad. Yeah, if we had. I also love how the, the, the mob. I love how the guy like knows way too much about like how economic models work. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's, <laughs> they, he's like, let me explain the free market. To you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they definitely. Uh, I mean, and it's a cool role for that guy. It is it's such a, a great scene and it's, it's quick. And yes, he is incredibly smart. He immediately sh- shoots back with like, uh, they have 10,000 stores across America. I don't think they'd feel anything, which is, uh, yeah. which is like, yeah, it, it is legitimately sad that, uh, you, you, you have a mafia when you have a large thriving middle class and small businesses. 
And we're at the point in the show and further along now in the absolute corporate corporatization of literally every single uh, like good and service and commodity to the point where, you know, just the idea of a small business in general is like um, an app, you know, they'll be like, oh, there's a new app that's and we will consider that, you know, uh, a small business, but you can't you can't squeeze a Starbucks. And what's who's a worse overlord? You know, the right. the Bezos or, well, you know, but, so this I mean, so this is the problem, right? Yeah. Is like this is in Rhode Island. You see this where people are like when Uncle Raymond was around, right, this didn't right. happen. But like Uncle Raymond was like beating the shit about right. beating the shit out of people for not paying for protection. Right, and so it's like neither model is better. No, like, no, no, no. You have like when you like that Starbucks that just unionized like that's right. and like I understand that you're not arguing. No, for- of course. <laughs> no, but it's like it's it's one of the reasons I think that uh, you end up. Uh, glorifying the mafia. It's one of the reasons why the mafia is always, uh, you know, this has this weird appealing thing because it represents the little guy. Well, it represents um, a uh, kind of a past that we have fabricated um, in Mm -hmm. and glorified into something that never really was something that existed in a way we enjoyed. And we just, we like to, and, and I think that's, the entire history of the mafia, even in, you know, the sixties, everyone was talking about how everything was good in the thirties and, you know, fucking mm-hmm. like, you know, there was never a time in which you weren't looking back and glorifying, uh, what was going on then. Um, but it's, I, I mean, the, like these, you know, the three corporations that control everything and mm-hmm. fucking Jeff Bezos are the mafia by another name. Right. Like, exactly. These guys are, there and they like to the point where they literally are killing people. Right. Like, no, that's the, the, their yes. factories are exploding. Yeah. They're they're infecting people with COVID so that they can like get fucking bullshit delivered to people's door in one day. Mm-hmm. Like this this is a in the same it's not like the quite that sorry, I'll you can edit this out too. No, it's no. not quite the same as like the children of when you watch Children of Men and you're like, holy shit, like children of men is like right wow this hits different but it is it's pretty fucking like um prescient you yeah, know yeah. like like in to the idea of like jamba juice is bad like yeah, <laughs> yeah. tony was tony was right about it and like you do play it for comic effect you play it for comic effect because like we had no idea what was coming even in a we always are like oh the you know the late 90s were awesome it was clinton we were like so happy (laughs) (laughs) but we weren't we were building the foundation for for all of this stuff and like it was everybody was so happy with the way things were that we were defunding all of these like incredibly important social safety nets yeah Yeah. we're always looking back at like a previous uh previous era of graft as like better Mm -hmm. like in the book um (laughs) moneyland he is talking about how uh, part of the development of cities was like before that it was these sort of tribal communities that would, you know, like raid each other and, uh, and take shit from each other. And part of the, part of the entire way that like settled civilization developed was that people realized that 
you could uh, like steal a little bit from people that were settled in one place, like all of the time, rather than having to like go places and like prey on other people. Like right. to just have a captive sort of population that you could take a little bit from uh, yeah, at all it's times. Much like more works, efficient. It, it's yeah, it's much more efficient and it works a lot better. Just like that's the, really the Merchant uh, Protection Bureau or whatever. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat. Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket. Outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Yeah, so Tony um, is talking to Juliana Margulies' character, Juliana Skiff, uh, about the possibility of actually selling, you know, uh, selling the egg guy, the egg man out from under him and um, and putting in a Jamba Juice. And I really love the moment where he decides to do it because um, she keeps kind of like upping the offer uh-huh. or, or at least Jamba Juice does. And eventually uh, <laughs> she fucking she. Uh, she calls him with an offer and he looks out into the old neighborhood and he sees the racist old lady walking on the street, <laughs> yeah. says hi, and then he goes, sold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, um, I mean, which is an interesting Which makes it, it makes point. me sad because it like, it, uh, he described those eggs and that live, those live chickens in a way where I was like, oh man, I, w- I wish I could buy eggs from uh, the local egg man. Well, that's, you know, that's the very uh, 2022 opinion, you know, like we are now of the time and which we are like a local egg man. Holy shit. What if what if that existed? How good would that be? But that at the time you would probably be thinking, God, I wish this like chicken shit smelling uh, egg, egg dump would move out and they'd put a Jamba juice in here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, you know, different times. But uh then we have Tony um, also simultaneously um, dealing with uh, his horniness. This episode d- delves very deeply into um, the fact that Tony can now have a heart on, 
Um, and he's he, got a baguette in his pants, which is yeah, uh, yeah. just French. Like, <laughs> it's it's evocative and disturbing mm-hmm. and just all of the things at the same time. Yeah. This also incorporates the like the weird fetishization of meat. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, you know, it's the 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 way he talks about um really wanting smoked turkey and also the way he talks about his his big old hard penis is uh it's so uh, with a similar tone. It's but, the, uh, it's yeah, the like same. Carmel is letting him down because she doesn't have the smoked turkey. Yeah, right? she has this non-fat, low salt salami that she's been serving him. <laughs> it's the same way the host at Vesuvio, uh, her comment to Artie, where she's like, "You look at me like food." Right. Which was, yeah. Exactly. Which is correct. Yeah. It is. Uh, <laughs> hello. Um, she's saying hi to the dog. Oh. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, there's this weird thing, though, that Tony does a couple of times in which he just he's hanging out with his friends and he's talking about his penis uh, uh-huh. and uh, which is yeah, They're talking not, about each other's dicks because. Uh, yeah, everyone's talking about everyone's dick. Christopher is talking about uh, Silvio's dick that whole time. Yeah. And uh, I have a clip of that. Let me tell you something. For two months after the shooting, as far as Schnatch was concerned, didn't even have a heart on when I woke up in the morning. Like so. No one didn't fuck with the plumbing, though. Oh, no. Thank God. I must be healed now because I got a baguette in my pants now 24-7. Affirmation of life. Yeah, there's this, like, level of, like, uh, comfortableness in which they all, like, sit around talking about each other's, like, uh, their dicks uh, that is funny to me because they're also simultaneously, like, very mad at Vito for, like, being gay. (laughs) Well, that's the like story of American masculinity, yes, right? Yeah, yeah. It just like gets to the so border inv- of gayness. But if you cross, you know, certain right. lines, then well, they're so invested know. in each other's dicks that the idea of one of them putting it in a fireman's ass is uh, just beyond yeah. the pale to them. Yeah, they're like, listen, we all want to do that, but we can't. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, weirdly, I, like if 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 they thought Vito was solely a top, I feel like they would. Uh, be more okay with it but when they find out that he gave that he was the, the one, security guard head, yeah that he was gave, when it yeah. really got too far for them they're like oh well that's that definitely was, gay yeah that was a bridge too far for the mafia Can we sidebar for a moment about how what's his face meadow's boyfriend is like the winds up somehow being the most hateable character on oh 100 percent. Oh, yeah yes. that's like a there's this trend i mean it's the same thing with uh you know we're we're sort of bemoaning gentrification at the same time as we acknowledge that like the things that gentrification pushed out also kind of sucked in their own way mm-hmm. it's the same way that like the sopranos deals with these old school like working class mob guys and then it shows you the intellectuals like Melfi and Meadow and her boyfriend, and they're all equally detestable as mm-hmm. the uh, the mafia guys. Yeah, I mean, a, you. It, this show is just like a, a, a misanthrope's delight, really. It, yeah, it's a hundred percent exactly. It's uh, it's for it's like made for today's modern uh, cynical misanthrope, and I feel like that's why it still rings true today. It holds up. It holds up so well. I mean, so many people I know watched it for the first time during the pandemic. Yeah. And it, I would argue it holds up even better. I have a bunch of friends who wrote, wrote for the deuce and worked mm-hmm. on the deuce and, but 
I would argue that it holds up better than the wire. Ah, that is that is that is quite a if statement. If only because if only because the wire, which is weird, because David Simon hates cops, but the wire has like sort of a like pro cop storyline. Yeah, it, 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 yeah, the storyline is a little bit like no. If if you just gave the right cops all of the money, then all crime right. would be solved. And it's like, is that you know? It, it makes you wonder how true that is. But uh, oh, well, maybe we'll cover that in another podcast. <laughs> we will see. Um, but uh, yeah, so to wrap up Tony's storyline, um, he's trying to fuck Juliana Skiff and- um, uh, He's trying to fuck her and not fuck her. Yeah, he's 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 like, he's horny, but he's also conflicted, which is, you know, that's my constant state. So I really feel that. <laughs> but like, he's, uh, you know, he, he knows what his wife has done for him, you know, nursing him back uh, yeah. to health. I, yeah, again, I just think it's relatable in the way that he's trying to live every day for today and appreciate the little things, mm-hmm. but he doesn't really know what that means. He ends up being conflicted about whether that means to uh, live for his family or to just live for his dick. Yeah, live for his dick. And I honestly, it's a question that I think philosophers have been wrestling with since the beginning of time. Yeah, since people had dicks. Since people, the invention of the, of the penis. But... Um, so my my daughter mm-hmm. is really obsessed with her agina, as she calls it. <laughs> so she's like, I have an agina. I have an agina. And she's like, mommy has an agina. And then our dog, Mona. Mona has an agina, which I don't even know like how she knows that. <laughs> and uh, last night, my husband was changing her diaper. And she was like, I have an agina. And he was like, yes, you do. Which I'd be very open. And she said, you have a, 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 a. Little penis. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Fucking take that, dad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. My dad it's, has angina. the darndest thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, he he decides not to sleep with Juliana Skiff and instead uh, gets mad at her and runs runs away. Yeah. Um, Decides and to that- treat her in the most uh, cruel way possible, which is to like, you know, get her all... She's got the worst of all worlds because she had yes. to make the decision to cheat but then not actually get any of the uh, benefits of, of it. Any of the benefits, yeah. Whereas Pretty- like Tony had the opposite where he like... He gets to sort of imagine it and get to a place where he knows he could have gotten it, but also uh, still maintains like the moral mm-hmm. uh, satisfaction of not going yeah. through with it. He lives with his ding. Also, I I knew that he, there's something that a little fucked up about the fact that like James Gandolfini is hot, but Tony Soprano is disgusting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's a uh, it's it's a mixed bag. I at one point I always I, I thought of him as, as disgusting, um, and then eventually, um, I was just like, I don't know. The fatter he gets, the more fuckable he gets. I don't understand it. One thing I never noticed until the rewatch is just how big his hands are. Like he's got like a bunch of bananas like on each hand, and yeah. every time he like puts his hand on Carmela's face, and it just looks like. It looks like when Shaq holds a basketball, right? Uh, or like Andre the Giant's holding a can of soda. He's and- got big swollen mitts. Um, but then Tony comes home, and uh, Tony with blue balls is one of my favorite characters because he just <laughs> takes all of that sexual energy and he applies it to food. And uh, I have a clip of uh, the uh, the last scene with Tony. Oh, God damn it. Tony, huh? 
Bye. How'd it go? What does it take to get some fucking smoked turkey in this house, huh? What? I bust my ass all day long. I come home, I want a little smoked turkey. Is that too fucking much to ask? What the fuck is your problem? Everything but fucking turkey in here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I watched this episode with my wife, and then when Tony, like, right. makes the decision not to cheat. She was like, oh, wow, Tony decided to be a good guy. And I'm like, yeah, just wait. And then, <laughs> you know, one scene later, he's slamming the fridge and uh, berating his wife about the lack of turkey in the house. And she's yeah. like, yeah, now we're back. So that's that's Tony's storyline. Um, and uh, and so for AJ, AJ, you know, we talked a little bit about him working at Blockbuster, about him wanting to own a club, which, uh, which I think is a, a hilarious uh, kind of um it's it's very similar to him at one point talking about event planning but he pretends like he never talked about event planning in his life uh which which i i just love his ability to go from one i don't fail even know son- what that is yeah <laughs> yeah like he's never heard of event planning until now but he's like i don't know what event planning is but i would like to be a club owner um, I know, and poor Carmela. What about event planning? Yeah. <laughs> well, this is like kind of a funny thing, just the way, and I feel like this was more of a thing in the aughts where, like, if you didn't go to college, you couldn't get one of like the quote unquote good jobs, and you'd have right. to be, you'd have to be this degraded, mm-hmm. uh, like, service, service worker. worker. But like, yeah. they never really followed that through because, like, if. AJ did buckle down and go to college. Like he would have a job every bit as soulless and shitty as totally. if he'd uh, just stayed working at the blockbuster. Like, well, and don't you think they would have been like super proud of him if he was like a master plumber? I guess <laughs> yeah. not. Cause he'd be in the union. <laughs> yeah. And they'd be like, oh, we're trying to squeeze that. So, uh, but yeah, I pay no. for you to go to private school and now you're unclogging people's shit. I I think they uh, are at the point with him where just him showing interest in something and having like a goal would be enough for them. Even if it was plumbing, they'd be like, oh, at least he likes something Um, where it's at this point. It seems like all he likes is partying. But I think what they don't know and what I love is you're watching AJ um, kind of he's become a celebrity since his dad got shot and he was on tv right and you know uh and people know him from the news and he's doing what all mafia affiliated millennials do which is just using it to get pussy yeah and and so you see like hitting on this girl who's just like clearly enamored with the fact that he is his dad is in the mafia yeah well i mean like the whole thing is Again, I don't want to hammer the like metaphor for America thing too hard, right. but like it really is because like it, it's really depicting it at this point where like all we have left is like name recognition meets like mm-hmm. bread and circuses. Like we're really right. in like the the bread and circuses era, trading on our past glories to the point where like he goes to the club and there's even like a dwarf there. And- and yeah it's very like it could like, he has there to might pay have, off the dwarf uh you know for for complimenting him for going yeah, to the club there might as well be someone like fighting a bear in the next room right yeah it is very much uh and like the the is like the, the club owner's name is zazu you're just like this is <laughs> <laughs> what, what is happening uh, getting a little person to say Zazu wants to thank your dad is very yeah. like and just the way that like Twin all Peaks. his 
dip very David Lynch. <laughs> yeah, Although, very David Lynch. Yeah. The way all his dipshit bro friends uh, like treat him after knowing uh, that his dad is in the mafia is... Uh, like I, I feel like if if the broy dudes I hung out with in the early aughts found out that about someone, this is exactly how they would act. Like, right, bro, I got this fucking Armenian landlord, and he's yeah, really yeah, busting right. my balls. You think your dad could go shake him down for me? Yeah, so, like yeah, <laughs> that's like, what the mafia does exactly. Uh, <laughs> right, right, they do favors for whoever. That's their thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, AJ is trading on his family's glory in order to. Uh, in order to like get girls, but he also wants the respect of his dad. So he's like, he asked him earlier in the uh, episode when they're like drinking beers and burping together on the Stugats, you know, what are we going to do about junior? And, uh, Tony is like, this is none of your business. So fuck off. And it's clear that like, you know, he wants to, he does want to be in, in, in his father's industry. Of course, he's been completely shielded from everything mafia his entire life so his only reference his only uh point of reference for mafia stuff is movies and um that kind of leads to uh what ends up happening um later on uh i feel like carmella accidentally um i don't know like lit a fire under his ass to be interested in something and he fucked up and was interested in doing revenge murder <laughs> <laughs> yeah um because he he absolutely like is you know you can tell that he's very uh motivated like he goes up to her and he's like hey can you wake me at 10 a.m i have something important i gotta do <laughs> and um like any any can you good wake me at 10 yeah <laughs> <laughs> any good millennial of his age he uh he absolutely um you know uh he sleeps in and bungles it um and i have a montage of just the all the scenes leading up to him doing trying to do uh, an attempted murder on uh uncle junior and uh yeah i have a clip hey wake me up tomorrow okay 10 o'clock the next morning aj i woke you up two hours ago like you asked me now get up much, much, much later. It, it is four o'clock in the afternoon. You are not even dressed. I got the impression you had something important to do. Two thousand years later. Your uncle is having dinner, but you can see him now. Warren will take you in. Friday, you have a visitor. What? Anthony! My nephew. <laughs> Take me home. I want to go home. Knife! That's not my knife. I shot my knife! I shot my knife! Take it easy! I mean, the fact that he immediately drops the knife is, it's so sad. It's so tragic drops the knife and like basically admits what he was doing. Like it, it right. expresses his own intent and like, yeah, it's, it, yeah he's just yelling motive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what's worse is that like you, you see that the knife that he has is a knife that he got because he watched the hunted and thought it was a cool <laughs> knife. Just every sad thing, just fucking coalescing to make the, one of the, one of the saddest characters in the world. And um, and I think this episode has one of my, I think, all-time all time favorite scenes in The Sopranos. Um, 
the scene in which AJ gets picked up from from jail uh, by Tony and uh, and they kind of have it out. Um, it's like we've talked about this before, but a lot of people I feel like really hated Robert Eiler and hated AJ Soprano so much when the show came out. Um, and then it's only upon like rewatching it that you go like he was he was marvelous and, and not necessarily because like maybe he's like the greatest actor in the world or whatnot, but just because he just represented this character uh, that's so of its time that you just relate to it in these like really sad ways. But also this the acting he does in this scene is really, really good. And uh, I, I have a clip of that. Stupid fucking moron. You realize what could have happened to you? We didn't have connections. Some cop goes by the book and they charge you with attempted murder. Julius shot you. You just gonna let him fucking get away with it? I told you that's my business, not yours. And what did you do? Nothing. Zero, a big fucking jerk off. Fuck you. Wait, I'm gonna break your fucking neck. I guess your heart was in the right place, AJ. But it's wrong. Come on. What? It's not in your nature. You don't know me. And you don't know anything about me. You're a nice guy. And that's a good thing, for Christ's sakes. Bullshit. I mean it. You're a good guy, and I'm very grateful. You're a fucking hypocrite. Because right, every time we watch Godfather, when Michael Corleone shoots those guys in the restaurant, those assholes who tried to kill his dad, you sit there with your fucking bowl of ice cream, and you say it's your favorite scene of all time. Jesus Christ, AJ. You make me want to cry. It's a movie. Fucking incredible. Just. Yep. Like, like, legitimately. Uh, legitimately makes me an emotional every time because it's so it's so tragic and it's so real and it's like it takes this kind of funny point that we make a lot about like all the mafia people just like trying to do mafia movies and not actually like you know because they they've all been sheltered by their fucking parents who didn't want them in the mafia it takes that point and it drives it home in this really sad tragic way where it's like no that is real and it's actually super fucked up <laughs> it's like and it's also, well and also the yeah. fact that he says to like i think the part that kills me there is when he's like first of all he's yelling at him he's like and you fucked it up yeah and you fucked up what did you do nothing a big fat nothing. zero right and then and then he stops and he's like flips the switch in his brain and he's like and you're a good person yeah but he has no idea because he has no idea who his son is because he just assumed Carmela will raise him. Mm -hmm. He'll go and do his thing. AJ won't know anything about it, and he'll grow up to be like a good person. Yeah, and and, and he it's knows also he's soft. It, like ahead. he thinks he's paying AJ like a compliment, but by telling him that he's like a good guy, like he's very much like pushing him towards yeah. being terrible. And you figure that's kind of what must have happened with Tony. It's like the old. Uh, Gore Vidal quote about uh, Theodore Roosevelt where it's like there's nothing scarier than like a sissy with a gun it's like you're giving this kid uh, you're giving this kid the tools to be violent but telling him that he doesn't have the guts to do it and it's like right. well, how do you think that's going to play out like 
Yeah. And it's, it's what's worse is that like, you know, his assumption of you're a good guy is like, it's, uh, it's based on the fact that he's like, you're soft, you know, that's why I think you're a good guy because good people are, are soft or are people who wouldn't do this. They wouldn't do a murder and whatnot. And like for him, he's, it is the one thing that he's like, he is, he would rather his son not be in the mafia. Um, and, and not because, you know, he, he is ashamed of what he does. Um, but because he knows his son will be murdered immediately. He knows his son's not smart enough. Isn't cunning enough. He's not, uh, he's not manipulative enough. He doesn't have it in him. And so, you know, he, uh, so he's, he's proud of his, of his, uh, sad little, little soft son. And, Mm -hmm. um, and he knows. I love my dead gay son. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, um, but yeah, it's uh, it's just an amazing scene. And um, Robert Eiler. I miss James Gandolfini. I, I know. So I know. Both of them together in the scene were just like, oh fuck, so good. So then uh, AJ's kind of uh, storyline wraps up with him um, going to back to the New York club and passing out from a panic attack because um, he is a soprano, but just in all of the bad ways. Um, (laughs) Finally, uh, we got to talk about uh, Vito. This is the Johnny Cakes episode. We can't we can't. I mean, we've talked about it a little bit, but we can't. we can't skip over Vito falling in love with the uh, the fucking uh, four out of five, uh, you know, village people. Dream uh, sequence. Yeah, the possible dream sequence. Um, but it's it's actually for an episode that is named Johnny Cakes. I would say it has not much Johnny Cakes content in it. It has. I mean, that kind was of, what I remembered all these years was Johnny Cakes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you remember the, the, you know, the handful of scenes that happen because it's, because they're wonderful. Um, but also, uh, who forgets a name like Johnny cakes? I mean, you know, um, well, I think this, I think is an important point. And I like, now that I'm 41, I, I find myself saying and thinking this constantly, but like, this is an important point that like people who are not our generation just fully do not understand like the effect of AIDS and homophobia. Mm. And when I think of just like the toxic shit that used to go down in my high school, like we did, we had one openly gay guy and I wrote an article about him for the school newspaper, which was literally like Jason Kent comes out and like people were like, Leah, like okay whatever like he's gay but like why does he have to like show it off right why does he have to talk about it or like exist yeah exactly and that (laughs) was like even you know that was like as opposed to like the the outright violence that probably happened like five years before i was in high school right so i think like that's an important theme to remember this and why i kind of think of it as a dream sequence because like he lives in a world where it's impossible to be gay in the mob or or out of the mob yeah yeah in jersey <laughs> yeah yeah and, and in his own head yeah yeah and and you know this this kind of like uh gay haven that he is like just stumbled upon happens to be absolutely perfect for him because it's showing him 
what life could be. It's like a perfect fantasy life. You know, he he wakes up in the morning and he's listening to New Hampshire NPR and uh, <laughs> he immediately sees a fire truck outside and follows, uh, you know, follows the fire trucks and sees Johnny Cakes show up in a motorcycle while wearing fireman shit and uh, running save into a, a burning, child <laughs> running into a and burning building <laughs> which they always let an all volunteer fireman force do yes, you know they, yeah, they yeah. let them take the lead on that yeah and um and saves the baby yeah saves that uh, runs in a burning building saves a baby i mean like the, which the, let's let's recall that this member the the iconic oklahoma city oh photograph. yeah 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 it was uh this is like the ultimate american hero yeah what's he's... the uh weird uh gay closeted gay politician guy he had like that picture barney of... frank no the closeted like the current republican like presidential uh hopeful. oh oh Lindsay Lindsay uh graham no is it desantis it might i can't i don't know no, one no, of one oh, of them... oh christ um Chris, yes yeah yes. yeah 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 he had Former like the post, he had like the poster Florida. on his dorm wall with like the buff guy holding a child and it was like supposedly like an anti-abortion <laughs> statement but it was really just probably because he was a hot guy like holding a child <laughs> and looking heroic like this yeah. is that playing out in front of Vito's eyes and like what's his name uh the actor who plays uh, a Ganescoli Joseph Ganescoli like he is so perfect and like perfectly tragic. Like just watching mm-hmm. him like waddle around, like he can't quite like walk right. Like he's so sort of tragic and sympathetic in this yeah. episode. And yeah. It's- yeah. He's such a dick. Like <laughs> yeah. in every other episode. And this is how like they, they fuck with your mind mm-hmm. because you do wind up having sympathy for this character that yeah. you hated ever since you've been introduced to him right and you're like oh he was such a dick because he was like living this like hiding this like double life right i mean he was a fucking he was the highest earner he was always dipping in other mobsters pockets he was always like you know trying to bite off uh more uh than he could chew and um fucking you hated him and now you look at him and you're you feel nothing but but sympathy but you know for this episode specifically, it, it's it's nice that it exists as this like beautifully rounded happy ending episode for Vito. And if you stop watching the series at this point, fine. Because <laughs> yeah. it would be it'd be nice to for this to continue. But um yeah, no, he um he's pretending to be a sports writer named Vincent. Um and um Jim, who is Johnny Cakes, um, is is clearly he can tell. I think he knows immediately that this guy is full of shit. He's not actually a sports writer. He's just hiding, um, you know. You think so? Yeah, because like in the scene where he's talking about like uh, Rocky Marciano and then Rocky uh, Gra- Graziano, um, he like mixes them up and then he doesn't know what year um, Joe Lewis fought um, Marciano. I think he he realizes it yeah 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 he he thinks yeah i think he he realizes it and um and then he sees um he sees Vito kind of just creeping on him and all of his friends at the bar and and invites invites watching them drill with their hoses yeah (laughs) yeah and uh yeah he, he invites them over and uh they're just having some inane conversation but kind of like um effeminately yeah and and johnny cakes 
shoots this look at Vito and just like nods like, yeah, we're <laughs> yeah. all gay here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just... That is how it works. <laughs> I don't understand. I loved it. I don't know that I, I am. I am still stuck on this. Like, is this just guys fundamentally not understanding how like at what this so right this is at this point a subculture yeah um and so is it like they're just not understanding how subculture works or or is it like this idealized dream version of like is it a dream is it a dream at this point i like that that perfect yeah i think it lives on that perfect level of you could take it either way and it's fun both ways kind of yeah but uh, yeah, I, I I I'm 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 for your theory at this point because it's just yeah. such a sweet it's a it's a sweet way of looking at it rather than kind of you know my I rationally want to look at it and go like nah these guys are just like okay gay people uh go and then they started writing um uh, which is firemen they- uh, motorcycles uh yeah. man running out of a burning house with a child yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, you know, Vito, uh, Vito and Johnny, you know, have a fight. Um, I mean, this arc is just boy meets boy, boy loses boy, boy gets boy back. Um, and so like at this point, um, Vito or Johnny cakes tries to kiss Vito and they get into, uh, they get into a little scuffle. Um, and, uh, I have a clip of that. I'm glad you decided to write your book in our little town. fuck you doing? I, what are you, some kind of fag? Guess I made a mistake. You sure as fuck did. Listen, closet queen, you can't handle it. Don't send out the signals. I do, I do appreciate, by the way, that the scene ends with Johnny Cakes winning the fight. Oh, yeah. Because, um, like, like, there was even a question. Well, you know, sometimes in this show, occasionally, like the the slow, small, fat guy will win a fight against a big, strong guy, and you're just like, mm, I don't know. Yeah. Um. Uh. But uh, yeah. So this he is, gets beat up. This is also um the thing that we've talked about with David Chase in the past, which is that he's like simultaneously uh, a really good TV writer, but also like a TV writer to the core, which is. Like this is very much the cliche of two characters who like get in an argument and then they end up kissing, but it's mm-hmm. done with like a level of uh, truthfulness mm-hmm. that you believe it, and he, and they give it like a story justification that he's been lying to himself this whole time. So it's like it's all the old TV tropes, but just done like in the the best in the best uh, way possible. Yeah, the best like Michelin star restaurant version of it. It makes you appreciate those tropes and like how they came to be. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, I see why why everybody else tries to do this. Yes. Right. Yeah. I mean, because it, it the, I think that it's weird to have something this generic or I don't know, I, I almost like hackneyed um, feel um, like genuine and uh, beautiful and kind of, I don't know, uh, something where I'm not sitting around being cynical about it, you know, and it's nice no, to yeah. take a, take a little break from, you know, the, you know, overwhelming misanthropy of my life. Is that how you say it? Misanthropy? Misanthropy? Yep, I think that's right. Misanthropy? <laughs> misanthropy. 
Anthropy is a funny word. Mr. and Mrs. Anthropy. I'm Anthropy Soprano. <laughs> I have an and I have an angina. I have angina in my heart. Okay. <laughs> Finally, uh, so they get into a fight. Vito gets a black eye, and it all ends with um, Vito showing up and ordering some Johnny cakes. Um, and Johnny, a Rhode Island specialty. I'm fucking googling this right yeah. now. <laughs> the Rhode I've Island specialty. I remember wanting one after I saw this episode, and it's like, oh, they're terrible, Vince. They're terrible. Uh, they're made of cornmeal. It's like 15 years later, and I still haven't had one. But they made them sound really good in this. Well, if Vito likes it, then you know I'm game. But yeah, now uh, that you say like, oh yeah, pancake made out of cornmeal, I'm like, yeah, that doesn't sound good. That sounds like a like a step down from regular. Pancakes. Yeah, like what the if- modern Johnny cake is found in the cuisine of New England and is often claimed as originating in Rhode Island. There wow. Yeah, but what'd you go? Is that Rhode Island Wikipedia dot com? Because like, <laughs> yeah, I did. That's what I went to. That's I'm just saying. That's that's every every place does that. And so you if you go to fucking Israel, they're all like, we invented the cherry tomato, and I'm like, nah, fucking <laughs> lying about shit. Anyways, um, but yeah, this episode, I mean, like it's it's about decline, the decline of the mafia, the decline of the American empire. Like it's very mm-hmm. uh, pessimistic, but it is uh, sort of affirming on a human level where. Yeah. And uh, I do love watching, watching um, Vito say, you know, sometimes you pretend to be something so long, you don't know when to stop. You don't know when it's safe. And they have that very cute moment. And then um, you see them doing a picnic together and making out um, uh, on the grass. Yeah. Which, um, which is great. That's nice. Very, very nice. Um, yeah. I mean, I think we covered pretty much every single thing on this episode. I mean, it's a lot, but um, do we have... I know, a- I'm sorry. I feel like you guys do this all the time. So you're like, you've already picked all these themes apart and I have so many to... No, please add. And discuss. That's not a problem. We, we, we you know, uh, the one thing we like to do is say... Was there anything we missed? Was there a favorite scene or a least favorite scene that we didn't talk about? I think about? the scene where he calls his wife is sad. Oh, yeah. I, I love that scene. Yeah. But for where a she's, different... She's, she's like, just come home. She's trying to lovingly Mike Pence him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I love that scene for a different reason, though, because it has one of my favorite jokes, which uh, I have a clip of. Hello? Hey, it's me. Where are you? Who's Thad McComb? Some guy. Oh my God, Vito! Not that. <laughs> I mean, just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> who's that, McCone? Yeah. Some guy? Oh, Vito! Not that. That is it's just. <laughs> yeah, it's a very totally. good scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yes, it's also a very emotional scene, and does definitely try to uh, say, "Wouldn't it be nice to do gay conversion therapy?" Um, <laughs> but yeah, I you know I love I love that. She's um, also isn't she also luring him back knowing they want to kill him she can't believe it okay she she's like she she, you know her um uh her cousin is phil leotardo and is like because you are married into this family you'll be fine like you know this is this is the same kind of like naivete that i think a lot of women in um the at least in the show uh, who are like mafia wives uh have which is like well, you wouldn't murder like someone who's a homie, though. And then, right. and all the dudes are like, yeah, we do yeah. it all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's like what we do. That's like our main job. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, Have you heard of Omerta? Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, yeah. And I don't know if I had to grade this episode. It is, I think, in the upper echelon of Sopranos episodes. It's one of the best there is. Um, I would give it a solid B plus. Vince, what would you give it? Uh, quickly, before I get to the grading, I wanted to shout out my favorite scene, which is oh. when uh, AJ's in the club. We didn't talk about this yet. And he's mm-hmm. talking about that with the girl. And she's like, what does she say? Like, does ecstasy ever like make your, make your feet not- cold? Feet cold. And he goes, I have special socks. Like, I thought the answer was going to be like, no, it doesn't do that. And he's like, oh, yeah, I- it does. And I have planned for it by wearing uh, my finest hiking socks while I take yeah. Ecstasy. Because I know all about ecstasy. Yeah, yeah I got Molly socks. Uh, um, yeah, but it's not Molly yet, though. That's ecstasy. right. Molly is about to pop off. At this point, it's still ecstasy. But like in terms of a letter grade, uh, I know I've said this before, but I am pretty sure that this is my all-time favorite Sopranos episode. Like yeah. I feel like every every storyline is perfect, and it sort of feeds into this larger theme. Uh, and there's levels, there's levels with everything. So, uh, obviously it being my favorite episode of all time, uh, I'm going to have to call it a solid B plus. All right. That's fair. Uh, and, uh, Leah, Leah Carroll, what, what would you, uh, give this if you had to give it a letter grade? You know, I went into this thinking I was going to give it a B plus, but I think I have to give it an A minus. Fair enough. Mm. Fair enough. A minus. Fair. I understand that. So A minus and then B plus and then B plus. Uh, Yeah, that rounds out to a B plus episode of The Sopranos. And of course, an A plus 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 episode about yourself a gun. Leah, Carol, thank you so much for coming on and talking Sopranos with us. You guys are so smart and funny. <laughs> I, would, I would watch all kinds of TV with you. Look, we oh. already had you on. You don't have to flatter us. Uh, the pod <laughs> is called Hemingway's Picasso. Uh, yes. Go out and Vince, to- Vince wouldn't write about it. I'm. <laughs> more people are going to listen to this than they than would have read my article. I feel That's like. true. That's true. At this point, <laughs> this is our one claim to fame, being the yeah. only Sopranos podcast. So... Hemingway's Picasso, you can still get that anywhere um, where podcasts are uh, sold, right? Yeah, let me say it again for the 4,000th time. Mm-hmm. Where Spotify, Amazon, Apple Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Nice. Oh, God. I felt like there's like I could feel the gun to your head when you said it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's in Down City. Still yes. magically in print. Magically in print, please. Down City, buy it now at your local Wait, can, bookseller. Yeah, no, no, don't buy it at your local bookstore. I, I famously don't like um, indie bookstores. I think they're uppity. Oh. and Barnes. I won a, I won an award through Barnes and Noble, and Barnes and Noble has sold eighty percent of my books. Buy it at a Barnes and Noble. <laughs> Hell kids yeah! In, kids in Middle America who do not have access to anything have access to a Barnes and Noble. Barnes and Noble is the great equalizer. Go to Barnes and Noble and get a Jamba Juice while you're there. Um, get Jamba Juice. No, they have a Starbucks. Yeah, get get a Starbucks. Get a Starbucks. Wait, I gotta say one thing. Please, the, the book is the book is marketed weird because it's marketed as like true crime, and it is in a sense, but it's also very, very much about my dad, who I love very, very much, who mm. committed a slow suicide and died when I was eighteen. Mm. And the year that The Sopranos came out, and I can, there were my dad and I watched a lot of movies together, and and 
books and that was like our thing and I can remember watching the very first episode of the Sopranos and crying my eyes out because I wish that my dad was there oh. he would have fucking loved it well hell yeah well thank you for coming on to this podcast that is the probably the dumbest podcast in which you have shared your story um because you know we we always uh, appreciate it and also you know I'm glad that the Sopranos mean something to you because sometimes we ask people to come on and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've, I've seen some of it. But, uh, yeah, you were a, a great guest. So, everyone, please buy her book. I have a child. Oh, yeah, you have a child. Please feed her children. <laughs> um, and, uh, and yeah, make sure that that angina grows up to be a star. <laughs> I'm done. Uh <laughs> So, um, patreon.com slash broadcast for all of the bonus episodes. The $8 tier gets you a shout out. And Vince, today we have one, two, three, four, five. Let Ooh. me see if I counted it. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, we have five $8 or more patrons in which you have to give mafia names. All Are right, you I'm ready for this? I'm cracking my knuckles. I got my nickname given gloves on. I'm ready to go. They're fingerless. All right. So, first is Rebecca McKinney. McKinley. McKinley. Yeah, Rebecca McKinley, just like President William McKinley, mm. whose nickname was Wobbly Willie. A lot of people don't know that. And, uh, famously assassinated? Yep, famously assassinated. So, she's going to be uh, Wobbly Willie. Wobbly Willie. All right. <laughs> Next is Mark Nickel. Mark Nickel. Guess who's on the nickel? That's right, Thomas Jefferson. Uh, and what was his nickname? Uh, well, according to Google, he was the apostle of the Constitution, uh, the man of the people, the sage of Monticello, but more importantly, uh, Long Tom. And that's what we're going to call uh, All right. Mark Nickel. Mark Nickel, you are you're Long Tom. Uh, Robert Black Fitzsimmons. Uh, I mean, Blackie, obviously. All right. Fair. Mm -hmm. yeah. Everyone loves that nickname. Uh, next is Philip Canfield. You said that wrong. That said that you said that weird. I would have put the stress on the can. Oh, what is it? Uh, ca Philip Canfield. Oh, well, Philip no, Canfield. Uh, not yeah. Philip Canfield. Philip yeah. Canfield. Philip Canfield. Yeah. I mean, if he can he field, can uh, you know, we call him uh, Willie Mays. All right. Willie Mays. That's good. And he could field. He no, was, I got he, it. Yeah. Over the shoulder of the basket mm -hmm. catch. Everybody remembers that. And Ooh. finally, uh, <laughs> Ryan, our two hundred dollar patron. Oh God, we're gonna call him Free Guy, you know? Because Free Guy, Ryan Reynolds. Ryan. The free yeah, guy. I remember yeah. it. Yeah, you got it. You got it. Oh, it's a good so nickname. That's what two hundred dollars will get you in terms of a nickname. Honestly, Ryan, you are the hottest man in the world, and I want to climb your dick like it were <laughs> uh, a fucking redwood, and just live in one of the varicose veins. In, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that works too. Are they are they varicose if they're in the dick or is that just regular vein? Well, only if they're all squiggly. Is that what makes them varicose? Is a squiggle? Yeah. yeah. I thought it was the. Uh, uh, all right. Like they, no. no varicose. It's can, like can Ruthie can Ruthie give a shout out? Yes. With your two hundred dollar. Yes, What's please. Again? His name is Ryan. Okay. Hold on. Oh, she's pooping. Oh, she's got to poop. Can you guys hear me? Oh yeah, we mm -hmm. can hear you. Yeah, we can Ruthers. hear. Can you come say thank you, Ryan? No. 
Well, I guess that's for the $300 patrons. Yeah, so yeah. Um, if there's a $300 patron out there, uh, we'll get that child. We'll get that child to say uh, thank you. Uh, you just have to up it to $300. Ryan, thank you so much. And all the patrons, especially our $100 patrons, Erica Nord and Kenley Bidwell. Frogcast at gmail.com for all your questions, comments, and concerns. Vince, what is the Google Voice number? 415-275-0030. All right, everyone. Thanks again so much for listening. And until next time, don't stop believing. I can see you staring, honey, creeping on my fireman buddies, treating everyone in this town like a fool. I can feel you aching, Vito, like a fat dago, op guido, hungry for much more than some gabagool. I think I've seen this show before, and I didn't like the ending, you're not in Jersey anymore, so why are you defensive now, you're in my town. Living in exile, hiding now I think I've seen this queen before I can see you built and brawny Dreaming of Fanuke and Johnny Got me craving more than your Johnny Cakes You leaned in and tried to kiss me I hit you and then you hit me I pretended so long I don't know when it's safe I think I've seen this show before And I didn't like the ending Scared of Philly Tardo And I know he's trying to kill me now He's in my town Both on the down low No way out I've never lived this free before So I'm stepping out the closet door So step right out There is no Yo, what a bitch I-
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.